Welcome to Dietitians Uncorked, a podcast hosted by Kat and Kelly, two registered dietitians who co-founded Nutriving, a virtual nutrition practice. We talk all things food, nutrition, life, and of course, wine. This is a judgment-free zone where all foods fit and all bodies are welcome. Thanks for listening. Welcome everyone. Welcome back to another episode with Dietitians Uncorked, where two dietitians talk about lots of things. And we apparently curse a lot. We've been doing some editing and man, uh, maybe we should give you guys some warning next time. But now you probably have listened. Hopefully, if you have listened to other episodes, you know what to expect. If this is your first time tuning in, uh, maybe you don't bring grandma around when you like play our Mm-hmm. our episodes our little anyway kids. uh <laughs> yeah or little kids right right um we have a really fun episode we are talking about snacks and snacking uh perspective from two dietitians so but as tradition right we got to talk about what we're drinking Kelly, what you got going on over there? So I decided to go white today. I have a Sauvignon Blanc, which is probably my favorite type of white wine. So it's called Saracena. It's a 2019 Sauvignon Blanc from Mendocino County, which I just looked up is like near Sacramento. So in California, it's really good. It's very dry as most, you know, Sauvignon Blancs are. And it's kind of, it's not very fruity. It's like more oaky you know like oak flavor it just tastes brighter you know chardonnay is like more buttery I feel Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like it that's good what do you great I am drinking (laughs) I'm drinking a Merlot it's a Chateau Los Boldos again the Chilean wine I you know I just gotta get it while when Mm -hmm. in Rome right (laughs) Um, so this one's a 2019. It's, it's actually a really, really good wine for cheap price, which, you know, that's our sweet spot. Uh, I absolutely love how this wine isn't pretentious at all, but could be, you know what I mean? Like if I was like, this wine is super fancy and I poured it to you and you had it, you might believe me that it's like really fancy. That sounds good. It's just, it's like dry. Yeah. It's very dry. It has some like notes of like maybe a little green apple. So it has a little citrusy, but like red fruits and also like a little bit like cigars. It smells like, or it tastes like ashy, but in a Mm -hmm. good way. I don't think I've had a Merlot in, I don't know, maybe a decade. I feel like you've been having them more as of oh, late, so I need to try. I really have been. You mm-hmm. you caught me. <laughs> I think it's I think it's because I am such a Cabernet Sauvignon fan, and I don't like to Same. move. You know, because it's like your comfort zone, and you just like love it. But I have been having more Merlots, and I don't know if it's the Chilean varieties of Merlots that I've had are just so good. I, mm-hmm. you know, you can't discriminate anyway. So, um, I wanted to ask you about this. It's a very serious question. I hope we get a serious answer. 
I'm ready. How do you feel about snacks or snacking? Honest answers only. Go. I fucking love snacks. (laughs) I eat a lot of snacks several times a day. I think that's just my, you know, we'll talk about this, that people have different meal patterns. Of course, for me, it has worked for a long time. You know, I have three meals a day, but I also have probably two to three snacks in there. Just makes me feel good. Like that's the pattern that, you know, I feel best on and I feel like I can focus throughout the day and do what I need to do without like being a crazy person. And if I miss a snack, it, it doesn't go well, you know? <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree. And I feel like I wish I wasn't so we could have like opposing perspectives, but I mm-hmm. love snacking. I love snacking. Too. They make me happy. If I bring a snack to my like desk or office or wherever, it, it is a happy moment in the day. It's a day where spirits are high. So I cannot imagine a life where that doesn't exist. And I think this episode, what we really want to, uh, maybe the takeaway message here is that snacks can be a wonderful part of a normal or not normal, a balanced and wonderful diet they don't work for everybody. So there's not a right or wrong answer when it comes to snacking. And I think the literature regarding snacks and how that affects us metabolically, some studies say snacking is bad for you. Some studies say snacking can be a good thing for you. So the the science behind it is it's super clean cut and very clear in their messaging. And we just want to say that's okay because people's metabolisms are different and the way that they you they do meal patterns are different so snack lovers or non-snack lovers are 100% welcome and uh, hope I we hope that you can get something out of this conversation in today's episode right there's not one correct meal pattern there are lots of options and you know, you might find yourself not being into snacks at a certain chapter in your life and then really, you know, being into them later, like depending on your schedule and kind of your priorities and what's going on. So there's really no wrong or right answer. It's just figuring out what works for you and, and what makes you feel your best. I think within the recent six months, I've seen headlines on studies that focus on snacking and whether the researchers concluded that it was positive or net positive or a net negative thing. And I have seen both like pretty consistently. One of the things that I have noticed in the literature that comes out that sheds a negative light into snacking is the insulin spikes that might happen. And there's this narrative that happens along with these studies where scientists are like, well, most animals are not snackers and we eat meat and hunt and we should be satisfied with a big meal and then whatever. And I always have the same thought after reading something like that. It's like, we have evolved people. We have evolved. Why do we compare ourselves to cavemen constantly when it comes to dieting? We have moved away from that. And there have been wonderful things that have happened 
because of evolution, because of the way that we have a variety of foods available to us, most of us are not dying from nutrient deficiencies Mm -hmm. or basic uh, vitamins that are available because we have a variety of fruits and vegetables in most grocery stores. And so I just... Can we can we stop saying that we're animals and comparing ourselves mm-hmm. to cavemen? I feel like that's an outdated way of looking at our nutrition patterns. Right. It's like that argument around cow's milk that no other animal drinks milk from another animal, which is true, but it's it's kind of like a logical fallacy. Like yeah, other animals don't drink milk from other animals, but you know, camels don't like drive to work, you know, like animals don't do a lot of things that, that humans do. Like, it's just not a fair comparison. It, it really isn't. It really isn't. And you think about, and now we're going into a whole rabbit hole, but maybe we should do an episode on this. We, you think about how nutrient dense cow's milk can be and how there are places in the world currently that don't have access to foods that are as nutrient dense as milk, cow's milk. And there are whole uh, population, generations of, of populations that just a little bit of milk, of cow's milk can help bridge the gap in their nutrient deficiencies, especially when we talk about calcium or vitamin D or whatnot. And so there mm-hmm. are projects that bring cow's milk to those people and here we are getting like confused about whether another animal is drinking another, like, can we are better yeah. than this. We're smarter than this. <laughs> yeah. And the price point of, yeah, yeah maybe it is another episode, but yeah. the price point of milk and the nutrition that it provides, like for some people, that is a really great option. Yeah. And so to, yeah. to demonize it, you know, is yeah. not helping, but we digress. We digress. <laughs> we digress. And again, just like milk and snacking, not every solution that works for you is what will work for everybody. Not what works for everybody will work for you. And that is totally fine because this is why humans are so privileged to have a wonderful experience with food. We have culture in there. We have preference. We have access to or what your region brings to your table. I mean, it's just wonderful. Just like wine. We just get different varieties and we get to enjoy it. So exactly. Uh, do you want to hit us with, should we start with the benefits or? Yeah, let's walk through some. So we have three benefits and three potential, you know, drawbacks or pitfalls around snacking. So we'll walk through those today. So benefit number one, when you snack, if that's, you know, something that, that fits well into your lifestyle right now, you may notice that you don't get hangry. So like that point of hunger where you're just, you're not the same person, you know, you're like, you like snap on people and you're Mm -hmm. really irritable Mm -hmm. and life is just like a little bit harder and less enjoyable when you get to that point, because you need food, like your, your past kind of your hunger window has been stretched too far. And so when that happens, that can really affect, you know, your thoughts, your emotions, your behavior, how nice you are to other people. So snacking can really prevent you from getting to that point, which I know for me personally is very important. Oh my God. Same. I think the concept of snacking has saved my relationship with my husband. (laughs) 
in many occasions and I am not lying. I I think it's, it's, he, he would probably not argue with me on this, but I introduced snacking to David, my husband, and it has changed our relationship because he also now recognizes it. And so we're just like constantly asking each other if a snack is part of the solution to what seems like a (laughs) massive problem. But then if, you know, if I'm hangry and he's like, should we just have a snack? And then I have the snack. The massive problem is a lot smaller than I thought. Mm -hmm. And it's just, life is just easier after I've had a snack. So yes, yes. Wholeheartedly agree. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. We, I have very similar conversations in my house. Like if I'm gone for a while at work or doing other things and I get home and I'm just not the best version of myself and then I eat and then Jeff is like, mm-hmm. I think you just needed a snack. I'm like, I know, I know, <laughs> <laughs> but I ran out of snacks during the day. So, you know, it's time to eat, but there's, there's a lot of science. There's a lot of evidence behind that. If you're if your blood sugar is dropping, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of metabolic changes that account for why you might feel like that. So if you feel like you struggle to kind of stabilize your, your mood or just, you know, how you're feeling in between meals, it might be worth it to look at how long are you going between meals? Mm-hmm. You know, is it four five, six, seven, eight hours? And if that's the case, that could be a really good place to just experiment, like try adding a snack and see how you feel compared to not having it. Absolutely. So many people that can help, you know, if you have a long day at work or running errands and you build those snacks into your day, that could help, you know, keep your energy level up, keep your blood sugar levels stable, um, make it easier to focus on whatever, whatever you're doing. Cause you're not having those bombarding thoughts of hunger and when am I going to eat next? What am I going to eat? So it's just easier to focus on what you need to do. Totally. Another aspect of snacking is the added, the potential to have more nutrient dense Mm -hmm. foods added to your meal pattern that day. A criticism I hear for people that snack or people that talk to me as a client, they're like, well, I don't really want to add a snack because I'm just adding calories. And recently I I had this discussion with somebody and I try to explain to this person that boiling food down to just the number of calories that it provides is a very limited way of looking at food. I compared it to seeing color. So if, if you're talking about foods and you only boil them down to how many calories are providing, it's similar to looking at a beautiful plate of like a lots of different foods from different colors and being like, well, which ones are dark and which ones are bright? It's, it, it's not a comparable thing. It's, it's limiting whatever that food can bring to your nutrient density at, to just a simple caloric range. And the truth is if we talk about a calorie from an almond or a calorie from a donut, Neither one of them are bad. Neither one of them are good, but they're different. If we're talking about how much fiber they have, they're talking about what kind of mineral or vitamins these foods are bringing. 
you have to look at the whole nutrient profile in order to understand what you're bringing into your diet. So sure, you might be adding calories, but you're also adding things that you might not be getting enough of throughout your day, depending on how busy you are, depending on what you're planning to eat. So we got to move away from just boiling calories as the one predictor of whether something can be a good thing or a bad thing and whether we should eat it or not, because that's a very short-sighted way of looking at food. Right. It's one dimension and there are many dimensions, you know, that, that we would want to consider. Okay. So we reviewed two so far. We want to end with one more benefit that we have seen in a lot of uh, clinical situations, especially. So if someone if you or someone you know has a reduced appetite due to illness, um, maybe major stressor in life, I have a client I'm working with right now whose who's dad is very sick, and so she's in and out of the hospital a lot, and that stress is just weighing on her, and she was telling mm-hmm. me how she just has no appetite, like she doesn't want to eat at all. And so in situations like that, when your appetite is reduced, it can be really overwhelming if you have a whole plate of food, like maybe what you would eat in a non-stressful time of your life. If you have that in front of you and you look at it and you're just like, oh, like it's overwhelming when you have no appetite to look at a, a plate of food that might be similar to what you used to eat. It's just too much, you know, for where mm-hmm. you are. And so in situations like that, having snacks, so thinking more, okay, I'm not going to have three meals or even two meals today, but I can work in, you know, three to four snacks, like mini meals that can be a much more approachable place to come from when you are feeling sick, or maybe you're just under a lot of stress and that's affecting your appetite. Oh my gosh, totally. Uh, My father-in-law, he went through lots of chemo and radiation treatments when he battled with cancer many times. And we always went back to the small frequent meals that just translate Mm -hmm. to just a bunch of snacking. And it it got us closer to meet his nutrient needs because they, they were less overwhelming. Um, Sometimes medications can interfere with how you taste something or nausea or just feeling really full very quickly. So Mm -hmm. this is a fantastic way. I mean, we're talking snacking here, but having even in those days that are just really insane and you might not have time to sit down for a big meal, or uh, it might be one of those days where you didn't get to prep or something and you just like in between calls or meetings, snacking can be a wonderful way to help you get closer to meeting your nutrient needs if uh, compared to just focusing on just the primary big meals that you get, that you have on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And you can think too, like if you've never been through a major illness or, you know, maybe a major stressor like that, like if you can't, if that doesn't resonate with you, think about, you know, a time you've maybe had a really bad cold or had the flu, you just, your appetite is not the same. Like you don't want to eat the quantity or the type of foods that you would normally eat. And so that's where, you know, even a situation like that, just trying to have, you know, soup or a smoothie, like those are ways that we're trying to work in nutrition, even if it's not what you would normally eat, it's certainly better than nothing. 
to kind of help stabilize your blood sugar and help you start to feel better. So you can kind of return, return to your normal patterns. Totally. Totally. Some drawbacks of snacking. And again, so some of the benefits of some of those drawbacks might feel particularly uh, appropriate for you at the moment. So one that we get to hear a lot working as a, in, in counseling with nutrition, a lot of clients will say, well, if I am open to the possibility of the world of snacking, I'm going to be snacking all day. And that's something we kind of called like mindless eating, which boy, I've been there where it's just, you've got some food available and you're not even thinking about what you're consuming. You are just doing things in your, you know, computer or walking around and focusing on a hundred different things. And you're just kind of mindlessly eating little bits by little bits, just all day. And that can really sometimes at the end of the day, when you're kind of trying to understand what happened to you during that day, you just be like, oh my gosh, I consumed double of what I was planning or triple of what I wanted to, or now I kind of feel sick because I was like too sugary or too salty or whatever. And so mindless snacking can occur to, to all of us. The, the, I guess the main point here I'm trying to make is it, it requires mindlessness. And when we talk about intuitive eating and mindful eating, what we're really wanting to to focus on is you creating a space where eating, where you're focusing on what you're putting into your body and how your body's reacting to it. So the mindless snacking, the problem isn't the snacking. The problem is that we're doing it mindlessly. And so we're not really actually paying attention to the feedback that our body is providing as we're snacking or after we're snacking. Right. And particularly when you feel like that's a pattern for you. So, you know, not just a one-off, you're watching football all day or you're at a party or something and you find yourself doing some mindless eating, you know, we're all human, like that's, that's going to happen, but specifically it's becomes an issue when you notice it's a pattern and that's something mm -hmm. that's happening most days for you. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, I think anyone can recognize if you're doing something mindlessly, it's usually not a positive experience mm -hmm. and it's an exercise to bring awareness to that. So right. if that's you, maybe talking to somebody might be a helpful thing or just taking uh, a mental note of when that's mm -hmm. occurring. Right. Starting to bring that awareness. Mm -hmm. The second drawback we wanted to talk about is if you do find yourself snacking often on foods that maybe don't provide a lot of nutrition. It's not making you feel full or satisfied in that case, you know, that may potentially reduce your appetite or, or just room or openness for other foods throughout the day. Other foods that might be more nutrient dense and are really helping you meet your nutritional needs. So it's kind of like you're filling up maybe in foods that are not making you feel the best or just like, aren't really what you're wanting. And that's taking space away from foods that, that we really do want to be including. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Totally. I think too, like when it comes to snacking, sometimes uh, we don't buy snacks in a portion of a snack, right? So like if we're buying some crackers, they come in a big old bag and like, 
it's easy to want to overindulge in, in the snack because it's not in a portion that you might think like, oh, this is what I actually want to consume. So mm-hmm. especially if that snack is a less nutrient dense food. Yeah. I, and yeah. I, I'm guilty of buying some sugary snacks that I absolutely love, but can easily just, you know, overdo it and then yeah. not feel um, great. That makes me think of <laughs> sometimes when I'm, if I'm gone for a long time throughout the day, I have a pretty big lunch spot or you could really call it a cooler. It's like a mini cooler to keep <laughs> all of my food and I'll come home, you know, pretty late. And Jeff, my fiance is, is so good about like cleaning up things in the kitchen right away. So he'll like start unpacking this mini cooler that I have and he'll just be like pulling out all these containers. And he's just like, what is this? Like, why are there 25 containers <laughs> in this mini cooler? But that's because I'm like, portioning out what I know I'm probably going to want, you know, for my various snacks that I have planned throughout the day, but it does create a lot of dishes. <laughs> oh, totally. Those little but I mean, they're so, they're so uh, practical, the right. little containers, but then to clean them out, it's just a shit show mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, something, it. It, oh, totally, totally <laughs> worth it. Something that happens and I, you know, I'm, I'm Latina, this is part of my culture of how we grew up. Whatever is served on your plate, it's almost like there's some sort of unspoken law uh, that your mother, your grandmother, whatever female figure you have in your household, it's 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 a law that they impose that whatever it's served on your plate, like you must consume. You must consume. There is zero consideration to your body size or like your hunger level or uh your appetite it doesn't matter you could you could have a cold and not have a good appetite you could have just ran five marathons the portion is there and that is the one you will consume right uh in in Sometimes when we're adding a snack let's say there's a period of time where you're kind of uh, in between two big meals, it's a longer period of time and you want to have a snack. Sometimes that like residual law understanding of how you're supposed to eat will stay with you as you get older. And now I'm a grown ass adult and I still (laughs) have to think about this, but like if I add a snack before a big meal, sometimes I forget that like, it is okay to take into account the fact that I had a snack. I'm not as hungry and that's a good thing. And I would get full maybe a little sooner than normally, or like, I actually feel full and there's still food on my plate. It is okay to leave that. But I think a drawback is if you've been taught that you have to eat whatever's in front of you and we're adding a little snack in there you might actually get to the part where you're feeling a little too full after that. And you're like, oh, snacking is not for me. I'm just eating way too much. The truth is it takes a little balance to check in with yourself. Like where are my hunger and fullness cues? What is my body telling me? And can I stop eating a little earlier and feel better? Or do I actually, am I hungry enough to keep going? And that's okay too. Right. And that's where, you know, the mindful eating practices really come in because you do need to tune inward, right? You're training yourself instead of following kind of external 
guidelines or, or rules that have been instilled in you, you're training yourself to move away from that a little bit and tune inward, which certainly can take, you know, a lot of practice and, and guidance, especially if you grew up that way for you know decades and now you're trying to, to shift. So it's not going to happen overnight. You know, it, it yeah. takes time. Yeah, totally. Totally. So, okay. So let's say you're listening to this podcast and you're like, I'd, you know, I'd like to try snacking. It's something I go sometimes, some days I go long hours without, and I would like to try to add a snack here and there. There are a few things that we think are important to consider a snack option and sure a healthy snack is, is a good idea, right? But you have to take into consideration what you like. And uh, we, we made this handout for a lot of our clients um, that sort of take into account like the sensations that you're kind of, that would bring joy to you in, in that day. Like Kelly and I talked about, we get so happy when it's snack, t- snack time. And it's because we consider these things. So one thing is like the crunch factor. Are you looking for something to be crunchy? And does that make you happy? Like, is that something you're looking for? And you're like, yes, this is what I'm looking for right now. Having a few things that you kind of think ahead of time in your pantry, ready for you to make a snack on the go, or as you're working throughout the day, might actually be a really good idea. So like raw vegetables, nuts, seeds, these seeded crackers or whole grain crackers can really bring that crunch to that moment of snacking and it can be something really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Similarly, you know, if you're wanting something sweet, like making sure you have a piece of fruit or maybe like a little dessert, piece of chocolate or something, having that with you can really prevent kind of that uncontrollable feeling like of craving for something sweet later in the day. So something I often do, I will have, I call it like a lunch dessert and I'll have like a piece of chocolate or whatever I have at, you know, around during the day. And, And for me personally, I think that really helps me feel more, how do I say it? Like, I just, I don't get as strong of a craving later in the day, like after dinner for something sweet because of, you know, I've allowed myself to have that during the day. And so if that's something you struggle with, you know, having those strong, sweet cravings, well, first definitely listen to our sugar craving episode. Um, But, you know, that could be something to try, like if to incorporate something sweet during the day to help you manage that, you know, later on. Sure. Yeah, for sure. We've already established Kelly and I are both uh, sweet treat sluts or sugar <laughs> treat sluts. Um, so <laughs> we prepare for that. Something I, I often crave is something creamy. Mm-hmm. It isn't for everybody, but I crave, like I love creamy desserts. I like creamy things. And so things like avocado and hummus for me are just really wonderful snacks. Yogurt for me is really a great snack. Yogurt with a little bit of fruit or yogurt with um, some, uh, what is that like called? Like a compote? Yes, I think so. I think so. <laughs> anyway, y- yogurt with some nuts. You just the creaminess mm-hmm. of yogurt to me is really satisfying. And it's a wonderful dessert because I don't need a whole lot of it. 
It fills me up. I like a high protein yogurt. So that's also a great way to bring a little balance into the snack options. So that's just me. If that's you, try it. Some people who like the creaminess also like cottage cheese. That's um, that's not me, but no judgment there. No judgment. <laughs> Do you? I love cottage cheese. I love it with black pepper. Have you had it with black pepper? Because I think it really changes it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we normally don't disagree on anything. Um, so, you know, cottage cheese. That's line strong. Yeah. I often crave something like savory, salty. So very often I will pack like a little, like a mini charcuterie board, you know, like slices of cheese and olives, um, some kind of like dried fruit, like dried apricots, like that kind of combination to me is, mm. is really satisfying. Mm. Yeah. For so good. I think, so one thing I want to add is often when I'm talking about snacks I'm, and I'm saying, we should add a snack here. It looks like we're going a long time between meals and we're not eating and we're, you're showing signs of hunger, which I can't blame you. That's a long time. You know, people get really caught up on how many, like, what is the portion of the snack? Like how big or small should the snack be? be for it to be considered a snack? Am I overdoing it or whatnot? And again, we get really fixated on this calorie range that it should be. If you must know, usually the calorie range for a snack for a portion that normally people consider a snack, it's like between a hundred calories to like 250 maybe or something like that. For us, for Kelly and I and our philosophy, we we hate hyper focusing on calorie on calories because of what I said earlier about the nutrient density or the nutrient profile that snacks can bring. And I think it really varies depending on what's going on with you, right? Some days you're gonna need a bigger snack and that is okay. And the calorie range will not match this calorie range that I'm talking about. And I feel that stressing about these numbers is not helpful for anybody because your body will communicate what it needs from you often. And so listening into that and understanding that you might need a bigger snack or you actually need a smaller snack or you don't need a snack, it gives you so much more freedom to enjoy the foods you love, to enjoy the snacks you have and not be so boxed in on this, the hyper-focusing on this one number and or number range so that you fit into the rules of what makes a snack a snack and what makes a meal a meal and whatever. Right. Toss the rules. Toss them. Listen to, you know, what your body is craving and think about what is your schedule like that day? Mm-hmm. You know, does it make sense to have snacks? Does it make sense to have one, two, three? Like that's going to change from day to day and that's totally fine. And I think one thing that you and I focus much more on versus, you know, we really don't talk calorie range at all with, with most people, but focusing more on, okay, what is the composition of this snack? Exactly. Like, do I have a carbohydrate? Do I have a protein? Do I have a fat? Is there fiber? Like focusing more on what, what is the food? What is the snack? What are the foods bringing to your body? Like that can be more helpful in terms of creating like a, a satisfying snack for you. Totally. I read a, uh, a quote of, from a dietitian saying, 
I care way more about why you eat something than what you're eating. And I think this is why, because if you're eating something because it fits within this calorie range and it can make this perfect, you know, whatever snack, it, it sure, but if you hate it and it's actually not satisfying you and it's actually not that nutrient dense, it's just very low calorie, then fuck that snack. What's the point? You know, yeah. why, why life is short mm-hmm. people. Life is short. So we care more about why you're eating it. Is it something that satisfies you? Is it something that gives you energy? How do you feel afterwards? Or is it a happy moment where you do a happy dance after your snack? Is it something that you feel that it's appropriate given your schedule and your budget? We care way more about that. And I think at the end of the day, if that is a framework that you're using to nourish yourself, you are going to make better choices for your health in the long run than you are right now when you're just focusing on calories and deprivation and sadness. The sadness, yes. I just added that part, but you know, it is sad <laughs> to have a sad snack. <laughs> it is. It is. There's no time for that. No, no. I think that's a really great conclusion, kind of a summary, like why we wanted to do this episode. So we have talked about, you know, snacking can absolutely be part of a satisfying meal pattern. It doesn't have to be, you know, if that doesn't work for you right now, that's okay. There's, there's plenty of options. Snacking can be an option. It can be something you experiment with to see if it helps you feel better, have more focus, have more energy throughout the day. So there's no wrong answer. There's just, there are options. And that's kind of what we wanted to, to present today. So we reviewed some of the benefits of snacking, preventing hanger mode and like getting really pissed off and irritable at people. <laughs> no one wants to be that girl. No one, no <laughs> so one wants to be that person. <laughs> snacks are uh, very important over here. And um, we also talked about it being able to increase the overall nutrient density of your diet, really providing all of the nutrients that you need to help you know keep your body strong and healthy. We talked about in the case of a reduced appetite, whether you might be going through an illness, maybe you're taking care of someone, you're just under a lot of life stressors. Snacking can be much more approachable than like three square, you know, big meals. Um, Then we covered some drawbacks, including when snacking might kind of become like more mindless eating, maybe times when the snacks are adding a lot of choices that aren't giving us a lot in terms of, you know, nutrition those could potentially be drawbacks and really situations to examine, okay, what am I snacking on? Can I improve that to to help me feel better Mm -hmm. and and meet my needs? And then we ended with the drawback you mentioned, you know, if culturally, or if you grew up thinking, okay, I have to eat this amount of food, someone put this in front of me, you know, that can affect how you approach snacking and, and how you move through that. So we hope that was helpful. We wanted to just cover our bases here and kind of give our perspective as dietitians working with clients, how snacking can fit in. Um, As always, if you agree with anything we said, disagree, we'd love to hear from you. You can rate our podcast, Dietitians Uncorked, give us a review. You can also find us on Instagram at Nutriving. We would love to hear from you. So thank you so much for listening today. Um, We hope you enjoyed this episode. 
We will be taking a little bit of a holiday break about two weeks or so until the end of the year. And then we will be back at it with lots of fun episodes for you in 2022. Oh my How crazy God, I cannot believe that. <laughs> we, will, we will be back, um, sassy as ever. And also we, <laughs> we really love to bring topics that are pertinent, hopefully interesting to you guys. So if there's anything you guys want us to talk about, if there's a topic that we have not reached yet in you know, we have a big, a big list, but if there's anything you might be interested in hearing our opinion, we would love to hear from you. So we are on Instagram at Nutriving. We are, our website is Nutriving.com and we have a Facebook also. So whichever way it's easier for you to reach out and let us know your thoughts, we would love to hear from you. Absolutely. Uh Uh-huh. We'll see you next year. Happy holidays. Bye. Adios.